Ta- thank you. We're tagging. Okay. Last week I spoke about reason or impartation. And we talked about the fact that the cross is not just a legal transaction, but it's the beginning of a transformation into the Son of God. We were created to be like Christ. And we, we talked a lot. I'm not going to go back through it all. If, if you haven't, it would be good for you to uh, listen to it. It's online now. Um, in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That means a heart that actually feels, that's alive and awake and sensitive. It's not a heart of flesh like we've chose. Lots of times we, you know, preach about the bad flesh. But the fact of the matter is, your body's good. Your body is good. There's nothing bad about it. It's a house you're living in. Right? For lack of a better word, it's a meat sack. It's made up of body parts. It's a machine that you live in. How can it be evil or bad? It's the choices that you make that may make it not so good. So that's not the flesh that Paul talks about. The flesh Paul talks about is carnality. Fleshliness, carnality. A lesser state of being. And then... uh, You see, we are, this cross situation, I believe that we are standing at the beginning of a reformation. Some have called it a revolution. Many have called it many different things. But a reformation isn't a change in worship style. It's not a change in, you know, we used to go to the Pentecostal church and we all, well, no, we didn't all wear suits, but lots of people did. And then we became vineyard and we wore a track suit. We said, we're in the vineyard. And we all had beautiful little track suits with grapes on them. I love those grapes. I was really disappointed when I lost those grapes. Now there's some copyright, so I can't take them back. But anyways, now I drink those grapes. Ooh, that's even better. Woohoo! He knew it. He heard it. He heard the desire of my heart that I like grapes. So he fermented them and he poured them into me. What a guy. I like you. I like you. All right. A reformation is a scary thing. We hear a lot about it, but trust me. We haven't stopped and thought about much what that means. You need to think about for a moment what it was like for Martin Luther. He's in, in part of the established church of the time. He's a priest. He's not just a priest. He teaches priests that are going to become the priests of, of that era. He's pretty high up. And God messed him up. You see, God wasn't completely content with things. 
He thought that paying to go to heaven after he died on the cross seemed like a little bit silly. Not that only, but the fact that they were taking the money and using it to build buildings. When he tried to tell them at the mountain of transfiguration, don't do this. And they're doing it. So he gives this message of grace, this revelation of grace to Martin Luther. Do you think there was ever days where Martin Luther went, if I could only have taken back the other pill, like the Matrix? Shoot. Do you think he would have went, you know, the cost of this is fairly intense. But I'm going to write a Bible for the masses to read anyways. It was a huge time. But it was only a partial revelation. It was big. But Paul unpacked something so much greater. He carried on the message of what it really meant. Reformation. So one day, I'm a few years ago now. How long has Manette been gone now? It was just towards the end of her stay here, so I don't know. She's been gone about three or four years now. Oh, over four years. Hmm. That is an interesting thought in and of itself. I was watching this movie called Martin Luther. And it was an interesting little movie as I watched it, giving me sort of a breakdown of, of what he went through. I mean, as best I could. And as I watched it, the Lord quickened to me, basically likes to ask questions. He says, what are you doing now that I would need to reform? In other words, in the church right now today, now you got to remember, four years ago isn't that long ago. We're talking, what, 2007? Six, actually. The end of 2006, somewhere in there. We've been in renewal since 1994. We've seen a fire spreading across the earth. And then the Lord says to me, what do you think the church is doing right now? that I would need to bring a reformation, a complete shift. I thought about my life and renewal and everything else, and I didn't quite get it. But I did know that he meant business. I did know that a reformation was coming and that he was warning me that it was coming. And I had to make a choice whether or not I would go with that And really, to go with that is really not to know what that means. Because he says, I'll take you by a way you've never been before. Doesn't it? I'll lead you in a path you've never been before. In other words, you can't look back in church history and try to find a blueprint for yourself so you'll feel happy. I'm sure Martin would have loved to have done that. But he couldn't. Does that mean that we're going to to write a new Bible? No, we're going to quit picking berries and we're going to look into the fire and we're going to see. 
some things we've not seen. See, that was always there when Martin was reading it. It was there, but they didn't get it because they had their own agenda, their own things they were doing to serve God. Even Paul the Apostle, before when he was Saul, he was serving God. Do you realize that? He was wiping out the way because he knew God. Throughout history, we've seen much bloodshed in the name of God. But was it God? Does that seem like his character? Does does God have to protect what he has? Is he afraid? I'll never forget as a young Christian defending God. You know, you're with some people and all of a sudden they're cursing him or they're saying, you know, and all of a sudden I'm there defending my friend. Right? I'm into the argument with them. Paul said, don't do that. But I decided I would anyways until I figured it out. He called it like boxing the air. It doesn't really profit anything. So you're boxing the air with this dude, right? You're not really too concerned at this point of getting him to Christ. You're more defending your father. I will defend him. Then the Lord, in the midst of it, he said to me, John, you don't really need to defend me. I'm big enough to take care of myself. And I went, oh, I never thought of it that way before, but all right. So I quit defending them. I figured, hey, if they want to curse and carry on about them, that's their problem. And he doesn't seem to be all twisted and want to hold on tight to everything. There's something more to this picture than I've seen. What more is there in the picture that we've not seen? C.S. Lewis said, we are far more forgiven than forgiven by God. He removed the heart of stone. Lewis said, this is deep magic. This is a deep magic, way beyond anything we understand, that took place. Your heart is good. Your heart is good. Now let me go to this scripture. I believe that the Reformation is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that God is going to start to unpack Calvary for us. Some revelation is going to come about what took place at the cross and in the tomb as Christ rose from the dead. And it's going to be so, so much of a, a, a reformation, a transformation, that what we've believed and understand so far, we might have to walk away from. Does it mean it wasn't true? No. It means that it's time to grow up. It's time to move past where we've been to where we are. To where we really are. In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, 
If any man is in Christ, Paul said, he is a new creature or creation in some of the texts. Old things are passed away. Behold, they are become new. In this text, the word is a K-A-I-O-N-S, kaonis, not the word neos. The difference being this, neos speaks of a time frame. It speaks of um, something old becoming new, like new shoes. It's like my shoes wore out, so I got rid of them and I got new shoes. It's speaking about a change of something over time and something renewed. That's not what this is. This is completely new. It's not from before. You are not the same person you were if you are born again. You're not. You are not just forgiven. That's like, he got me new shoes. But something mystical took place, so powerful. Remember, he's the creator. He creates. You notice, everything we do to try to understand, we're not much different than the world. We tack time on it. Yes, you will be sanctified. So then we think sanctification is a period of time where work's being done. You know what the word sanctified means? Set aside. Christ is our sanctification on the cross. And through that, I've been set aside. I am a new creation in Christ. It says he was the firstborn of a new creation. He's the second Adam, Paul says. I am no longer a part of the first Adam, the Adamic um, creation called human beings. In fact, if we really get down to it, I am not a human being anymore. I'm not. And if you are born again, neither are you. You just think you are. You're still crawling in the dirt. It's not who you are. Scripture, man, brand new thing. Brand new thing. I had a horse and buggy, right? And God came along, took the horse and buggy, and said, get into the jet. Let's go. Brand new. They're not even the same realm. Okay, so this is what happens, Paul said, when you accept Christ. So at that very moment that you accept Jesus Christ, you are taken to the cross. This supernatural union takes place where Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. And then at that moment, boom, I'm resurrected. And I feel different. I don't remember going there and coming back. I don't remember this thing that took place when the Creator said, let there be light. But I remember feeling like I'd been washed on the inside, feeling different, looking at things different. What has happened? What has happened? I was awakened. I had a sixth sense. All of a sudden, I could sense darkness. I could sense light. Something happened. 
I was a new creation. I had a dream in those years. I've told you where I was sitting on the sidelines and I watched myself walking down the street in Barrie. I knew what I was thinking. I knew my personality, everything about me. But I wasn't there. I was born again. God was speaking something to me that I'm barely seeing. I'm still barely seeing this. I'm going to say a couple of things this morning that might offend you. But they're to cause you to think. It comes from that place of believing God. Isn't it funny that we think that we have to work out our salvation? We have to try to be good. I have to be a good little Christian. And I give more credit, including me in the church, because that's who I am, to death than I do Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have a belief system that the second I die, I'm holy. Think about it. The second I die, lay the body down, and I step through at that moment, I'm righteous, I'm holy, I'm free, I'm forgiven. No more sin. So what kind of an idol in God have I made a a death? When I can't embrace the fact of the Son of God dying on a cross, didn't that have a lot more impact than me dying in the physical? And yet, this is what we preach in Christendom. It's kind of hidden behind. When you die, everything will be good. No, when he died, everything is good. It's Christ's crucifixion. What did he say the last great enemy is? Death. It's an enemy, it's not a friend. Paul says in Galatians, But far be it for me to glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified unto me. The world's been crucified from you. And I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. I'm not of this world. It's been crucified from me, cut off, removed. It's not what I've been taught. I'm struggling to try to be good because I'm still part of it. Well, Paul, are you telling the truth or are you lying? Paul says, I'm trying to get you to look into the fire, brother, and wake up. I'm trying to get you to understand what it means to be an overcomer. Not overcome. Why are we fighting something that's not there? Why are we fighting with things that don't have authority and power on you anymore? Because we give them power through the lies we've believed. 
I am a new creation in Christ. Remember, not that long ago, I think it was a couple, whenever we had communion, I, I get the times really, for, was that last week? Okay. <laughs> last week when I was a little bit tipsy, because I'd been drinking the blood, because it's pretty incredible. Well, I was sipping on the blood up here and getting injected. The DNA of God I was getting transfused with the DNA of Daddy. Life is in the blood. Put it under a microscope, what do you get? You get to see what color of hair you got in the DNA strands. We get to go down to the string levels and we look and see your hair color, your eye color, what you look, how much of your father's genes and your mother's genes. It's all in there, isn't it? Hmm. Whose blood's coursing through me? Who am I looking like? Who am I getting to look like? We believe it or we don't. When the father looks down, you ever notice they said, man, that kid looks like his dad. He does these certain things. It's the same as his father. Back to the human aspect, Jesus was son of man and son of God. He was a man filled with with God. In other words, he had the meat sack on, right? But he was God. Who lives in you? God and you. So I am part of another realm. Aren't I? Aren't you? Something happened when I was born again and I became part of the kingdom of God. I came out of that creation and part of a new creation, Christ dwelling in me. I've been brought into the Trinity. Whoa, whoa. I am a son of my father. I am going to rule Galaxies, angels, judge angels. That's what the Bible says. I used to go, right? But time to wake up. If God is in me, how big is the spirit world anyways? How big is my spirit? Is it this high? It's in here. Maybe I'm a thousand feet high. Maybe you are. We don't know these things. But when it says that God holds creation in the span of his hand, where am I in all this? 
The devil's a tricky character. Tricky character. Uh, I believe that the mystics like Brother Lawrence and St. John of the Cross and Madame Guyon and all these different individuals, uh, Teresa of Avalon, I believe that they tapped into some reality. They were not understood in their time. In fact, most of them were killed because they were causing ripples. You know, we're making a lot of money off these things and we're for God, you know. And you, what the heck are you doing standing in the sky, being levitated? Get down here. Don't let anybody see that. What the heck is that? That's demonic. Burn them at the snake. I believe they're lights. They're burning bushes for us to see. God is no respecter of persons, is he? Therefore, we are no different. No different. They are speaking to us like the painting. They want us to know something. They tried to stamp it out, right? They, they, the one called by St. John of the Cross, I believe. No, 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 sorry. Michael Molinos called uh, In the Spirit or Living in the Spirit or something like that. I forget what it's called. That book was banished. But it snuck its way back out somehow, and I got to read it. Was it Guion that they put inside the cave and cemented it up and said, that ought to deal with that? I mean, they really don't want the light, do they? Listen to what Brother Lawrence says. Talking about God, he goes, when God finds a soul penetrated with a lively faith, He pours into it his graces and favors plentifully. There they flow like a torrent, which after being forcibly stopped, listen, against its ordinary course. Boy, that's crazy. It's like this. We talk about the river. There's this powerful, mighty, raging river Bigger than the Ottawa River, bigger than what's flushing over Niagara Falls. And it's in the spirit realm, and it's God himself looking for a heart. And he's forcibly stopped because we don't believe him. We're trying to get him when we've already been God. And so he's forcibly, it says, coming. All these Grace, favors, joy unspeakable and full of glory. When it's found a passage, and it's sprinkling through me sometimes, I got to tell you, what's it going to look like when it rips a hole through? What Dell was talking about this morning. When I get in tune... And this river comes flushing through. You, me, every one of us that believe. 
it says, it spreads itself with great abundance. Yes, we often stop this torrent by the little value we put upon it. Oh, that ought to rip you. How much value do we put in the presence of God? We put a lot more value in the way things are done than what we do with God himself. Sitting at his feet. Saying, I just want to kiss you this morning. I'll be happy with that. Remember, this is a light, a burning bush. Little value we set upon it. Let us stop it no more, he said. Let us enter into ourselves, break down the bank which is hindering it. Let us make way for grace. Let us redeem the lost time. For perhaps we have but little left. He says, death follows us close. Let us be well prepared for it, for we die but once, and a miscarriage there is irretrievable. That is a birth. From God's perspective on his end, it's a birth. There's miscarriages. What's a miscarriage? A miscarriage is something that was in the womb that the person giving birth believed was their own, and then it miscarries. So there goes the once saved, always saved theory. There are miscarriages. We see through a mirror dimly. Again, I don't have all the answers on this. I am provoking you. Anybody here arrived? You and Jesus hanging out on a regular base, at least that you're aware of? Okay, then you're open that there might be to a suggestion. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in inner healing, and I believe in deliverance, and I believe in the prophetic. But I also believe there's something way beyond that that I've not tapped into yet. Now, let me tell you the problem with inner healing, codependency. People become dependent on the person that's doing it, and they're not looking to God. This is, I'm talking about the excess, if you will. What's some of the bad fruit that could happen from it? Same with deliverance. Prophetic. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. We teach you can hear the voice of God and how to hear the voice of God. But if after that, I want them always to come to me for a word, I'm now their fortune teller. One of the things we had to put in place was the three-month rule. Because everybody wants a word, but nobody wants to go to Jesus for it. They want to follow the prophet. 
They want Moses. They don't really want Jesus. They want Moses. Moses, you go for us. It's good. I, I'm prophetic. I love the prophetic. Hear me. But if at the end of the day I have a whole bunch of people following me and I haven't brought them to follow him and hear his voice, then I have worked against the kingdom of God. If I bring inner healing, but they always come sick to me and they never get well, then I've done a disservice to the kingdom. Maybe he's given us inner healing and deliverance because of where we are. But there's something more powerful. It's called the cross. I remember when I came into the kingdom. I'd finished reading this book. And I gave my life to Christ. And the room got really cold. And the eaters were starting to make noises. They were coming on because of the coldness of the demonic realm that was all around me. And my body began to vibrate and shake in the bed. Because God himself was giving me deliverance. He didn't need to sit there and explain to me. He just came and he was delivering me from this world. He was cutting off. I was going to the cross and being crucified. And I was being born again, raised from the dead. But I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Jesus. Does God really need us? No. He takes us where we are. Oh, God. He he woke me up one night a few weeks ago. I don't know how long ago. One week's floating into the next now. I don't, I'm, I'm drunk. I, you know. <clears throat> I want to get as drunk as Paul did. We don't think he was drunk, but I think he was like nuts. In a good nutsy way. We have no idea, really. <sighs> he said, John, you shall know. He woke me up. He never picks a good hour. That's because he's not inside of time, and he knows I'll be listening at 5 a.m. <laughs> Only because I'm trying to go back to sleep. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He didn't say, you shall know the prophetic. You shall have inner healing. You shall be delivered. He said, no, you shall know the truth. He who is truth, Christ, Then he says to me, look the other direction. What do you see? It's always like kind of unusual that way. Mostly because I don't look the other direction. I seem to be always walking one way. Do you know that? Whose way is it? Hmm. Look the other way, John. What do you see? I don't know, Lord. You will believe a lie, and it will imprison you. You will live in a paradigm, and pride will close the door. 
to me the spirit of truth. If I think I understand and know, what makes me different than the people that were contending with Martin Luther? Do you not think they thought they were right? They were the men of the day. What about the Pharisees in Jesus' time? Do you not think they loved God? They loved God. They just were protecting God. He said, if you're living in a paradigm and you think you know, pride just closed the door and there's no way for me to get to you. There you'll stay. You will be deceived. But if you'll keep flexible and look to me, I will open the door and bring you out. And so, here again, I need to say this so that you don't think I'm speaking against the things I believe today. Tomorrow might be different. Today. I believe in inner healing, but I believe more in the inner healer. I believe in deliverance. Everybody that knows me knows I believe in deliverance, right? But I believe much more in him, the deliverer. I believe in prophetic, absolutely, 100%. But I believe much more in the prophet, Jesus Christ himself. And so, God, I believe is on the cusp. It's already begun. Let's be honest. It's already begun, or I wouldn't even be talking about it. Reformation. And so if we want to come out of that imprisoned paradigm we're in, we must be willing to let him talk. My sheep know my voice. You all hear God, by the way. Even when you don't think you do, you do. Because he says so. He says so. So whether you think you can or not, it's just whether or not you're going to be in agreement with him. He just speaks in different ways to you. He can speak through so many different ways. That doesn't mean you can't be deceived. That doesn't mean you can't find yourself a little jail cell called a paradigm. But you have to be willing to open yourself up to him and let him begin to awaken you to himself. Christianity has to be an experience. It can't be, edu- it can't be like a health class that we go to for good health. It has to be an experience with a person. God created you. He didn't leave you. He came in his word made flesh. And God died on a cross physically to make a way for you into a new creation. All of us. He sent people with messengers with truth, with light to awaken us to what happened there. He's a genius and that's that's the best English word I can find. 
I think there's times, you know, I remember driving to work when I worked at Kmart and I was this song on and it started singing about the cross and I started crying and because and he let me just have a little glimpse. And for me at that moment, it was about my personal, how much he loved me personally and how he did it for me. And he just woke me in this song just for a moment and I was weeping and laughing and going, you are so wise. I You're like, your wisdom is like the depths of the deepest ocean, God. Who can understand you? Do we really think he just came to give you a Band-Aid? He went to all that trouble, died on a cross. God gave you a Band-Aid, sort of washed you up, and then said, I forgive you. Now don't do it again. And I'll be with you, son. Try to be good from now on. That's the gospel we preach. It's a lie. It's a heresy. It's, it's, it's against the cross. The cross is the wisdom of God. It, it set us apart. It made us brand new. And what's really wild? It was for the whole earth. Every living being. It was there. He didn't just die for you and me. All of creation. All were released at that moment. The only difference being. Is whether they receive that gift supernaturally or not. That's the difference. And the only thing the devil could do after that, because he was done, finished, all his great wisdom just went down the toilet at that moment. Scripture verse, God put the devil to open shame and destroyed all of his works, everything, all of his works, all, 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 nothing left, all. What could he do? Make them think they've just been forgiven. Give them a band-aid and let them live at the foot of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'll bind them in a lie and fill them with pride and keep them there playing church. And we'll keep this truth. Let's put this truth in prison right here and don't let it dare get out. If it gets out, we might as well go to hell ahead of being sent there. He didn't create hell for any humans. The human race got set free. The whole race was in Calvary. Can you feel that right now? That's his spirit. I just have a couple more things to say. But I love it when my dad's close. I love it when he's letting me feel the ecstasy of the blood flowing through my being. 
It is ecstasy. Oh, something's pouring down my neck now. Yes, yeah, sneaky guy, yeah. Oh, God. You see, <laughs> except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. To sing in the right songs or having the right church at a certain time or doing something a certain way, is that going to get you into heaven? Is death going to make you free? That's a big lie. I'd really be disappointed if I'd been bowing at that sucker my whole life and then I passed through only to find out I'd been bewitched. I'd be really mad, especially if I was a miscarriage. I'd be pissed off. Because the devil would have beat me. And I'll tell you, there won't be a moment there that you will be happy if you're a miscarriage. You yourself might want to get your hands around his throat. Is this the one, it says in Revelations? Is this the one we feared? Is this the one that caused the whole planet to be in confusion? He's a finite being. Then there's my dad. Whoa. We just want to get our... (laughs) We can talk about demons and we can talk about all the different levels and, and which one holds these ones in check and all this stuff in the church. There are books, reams of books on this. But the second you mention angels... They go, whoop, wait a minute... We do not worship angels. No, you worship flipping demons. What are you spending your time on? You're just supposed to kick them out of the way. Why are we afraid of talking about a race that God created that has a destiny connected to ours? Messengers that I know come up and give me drinks? You're great guys, by the way. I just want to say thank you. Because they are called messengers of my father. They're about my father's business. And since I am an heir of salvation, that means I've already got it then these guys are working with me. They bring all the good stuff from dad, whether it's healing, whether it's oil running down my back, whatever that's all about. Half the time, I don't know what's going on, but I don't need to because God's good. God's good. 
Now, if you were really upset a few moments ago because of a word I used, then check what's really living in you. Because tell me, you'll be saying that word if you miscarriage. That was to get your attention. It surprised me when it came out of my mouth. But I don't feel convicted at all. 2 Corinthians 5.13, listen to Paul. He says, if we were crazy, it was for God. If we're sane, it's for you. And in other translations, it says, and we need to read a lot of translations. Just don't get hooked up on one. You'll miss the whole thing of what it's all about. Because when you're reading one translation, you're reading one man's interpretation. Aren't you? In some versions, it says for the word sane, it's sober. And the other word's mad. I'm mad, I'm crazy. A little like me this morning, I was a little mad and crazy. And it says, that's for God. Why? Because me and him are drinking together. And he's giving me revelation at that moment. And I'm, I'm intoxicated with, his, with revelation. I'm intoxicated with his spirit. I'm intoxicated at the foot of the greatest explosion that's ever taken place in creation. It was a greater explosion than when he created planet Earth. It was the explosion of Calvary. It's the good news, not the sad news. It's not the news where we all dress in black and sit at the bottom and wail over Christ's death. It was at the point God himself came and put his foot on what the devil had done and said, come home. If there's anything to get happy about, that's it. Like I said, that was a greater moment than when he created the earth. Because he made a way for his all of his children to come back in. The love of the Messiah controls us. For we are convinced of this, that one person died for all people. Therefore, all people have died. Oh. Oh. This is getting deeper now. All people have died. He died for all people so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died and rose for them. We need to get this good news out there that they've died and they can be resurrected. It's good news. I don't want to go out and slap them with the spirit of fear. I want to get them into the house. Listen to Robert, I don't know how you say it, C-A-P-O-N, Capone, Capon. He wrote a book called Between Noon and Three. And he says this about the Reformation in times gone by. He said, it was a time when men went blind, staggering drunk, because they discovered in the dusty basement of the late medievalism a whole cellar full of 1,500-year-old 
200 proof grace of bottle after bottle of pure distillate of Scripture, one sip of which would convince anyone that God saves us single-handedly. The word of the gospel, after all those centuries of trying to lift yourself into heaven by worrying about the perfection of your bootstraps, suddenly turned out to be a flat announcement that the saved were home before they started. Grace has to be drunk straight. No water, no ice, and certainly no ginger ale. Neither goodness nor badness nor the flowers that bloom in the spring of super spirituality could be allowed to enter into this case. It's funny that we're, since 94, this, this sort of madness has been coming into the church. This drinking thing, this stuff that Paul was sipping on when he was out of his mind in the presence of God. Who is this lunatic? And I know what he means when he says, but then he becomes sober for them. That happens to me. I've never quite understood that, but it's like I can be, I was undone up here this morning. I think more undone than I've been in a long time. I wasn't sure what was about to happen. I mean, I knew one thing. I wasn't getting up for a while. It was so thick and so powerful, the presence of God I could feel. And then I come down, and I'm still under the influence of my God. I'm feeling this goodness inside i got to be careful. Because <laughs> when we talk about it, we get it. Then I'm sitting here, and I'm feeling really undone again. It's kind of a funny place, because you get to the undoneness of, maybe I shouldn't even be in this room with people anymore. Because I feel him too much. And... They don't understand my madness now. They don't understand the love exchange that's going on right now. They just think, he's peculiar, isn't he? Hmm. And then I get up. I manage to sober slightly for the announcements. And then as I begin to speak... It's like this, it's like he kind of steps back just a little bit, but not really. He just kind of dials it down slightly for a moment because he knows I have to make some sense for you. Me and him are making sense. I can be really drunk and get a revelation, and man, I'm drinking that thing. It's revelation to my spirit. I'm like, woohoo! That's what happens sometimes when the worship, and you hear, woohoo! It's because I've just had a, God's went, Hey, what about this? Woohoo! That was good. That's really good. We're sipping. Sipping, buddies. And so he sobers it down for a moment, just like with Paul. He pulls it down so I can make sense for you. And then I've noticed as I get towards the end, just as I'm coming towards the finish line, somebody pours another drink. 
And like you guys are getting all blurry again. And I have to make a choice. <laughs> did I finish this? Yes, I did. Was that good? That was really good. Oh, yes, that's what I was going to say. See, it comes again because I'm in love. Because the little things God has said over time that didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Oh, there's light now. Um, me and you. Um, is it hot in here? Does anybody feel this or am I in some other realm? Please. Yeah, I don't know what to do about that part anymore, God. You and I need to talk. Because this is not the simplest thing. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. When I was in an open vision with God in 1978, he showed me something that I am only beginning to even understand and move towards. God does not show you something to trick you. He doesn't show you something because he wants you to try and figure it out over the next 40 years and then not tell you. It's because it is placed in you and it's to take you to the truth. You come shadow by shadow, so in the beginning you don't quite get it, but eventually it begins to make some sense at the right time. At the right time. Enoch walked with God. There's a period of time there. And then one day it says he was no more. Well, do you think that God had preempted that moment where he was no more in his life? For sure he did. He spoke things to him that he didn't understand. But they just irritated him like a piece of sand, you know, that turns into a pearl called Christ. Christ being the pearl of great price. That piece of sand in the clam or whatever it is, and it slowly turns into this pearl because it was an irritant. That's what happens. God puts a piece of sand in you. It's an irritant eventually becomes the pearl of great price, Christ. So he put something in Enoch, and Enoch was probably going, what the heck was that? He's thinking about it and pondering it. Years later, experiences are happening, and then one day, he's starting to see, and he was no more, because he's seen. Okay, in 1978... God said to me in a vision, an open vision, I'm there. That when I was born again, I was in heaven and yet still on the earth. I'm rattling you. 
didn't make sense. There were lights all over the earth, and they were in heaven. And I said, God, I thought you had to die to go to heaven. Don't you got to die to go to heaven, God? Don't I get to die and live on Hallelujah Boulevard in a house or something? You know, it's a little cleaner than this place. There's gold streets. Woohoo! He was messing with me. He stuck a piece of sand in me. He never answered that. He just told me they're there. And today, let me do quick math for you. 33 years later, I'm beginning to taste it. I'm more aware of it around me. I go into visions while I'm standing, like last week with two weeks ago with Raj. When I'm standing here, next thing you know, I'm in a lecture hall and it's full of people. They've all come to see Raj because they know something's about to change in his life. I see a mantle like a cloak being put over him. And I realize these guys are all here because they're all cranked about something that's just about to change inside the life of Roger. Where were we at that moment? Where are we at this moment? Do you fully see all dimensions at once? Or is there more to this picture than meets the eye? What's that little guy we always look for in those when you're a kid in that painting? Where's Waldo, anyways? And it takes you a long time to find Waldo, doesn't it? What if we're being awakened to what is? I'm just this silly manifestation, which is a message to you that you need to take home to God and ask him, God, could there be something in these drunken ravings or whatever we want to call it? Could there be something there? Could I drink that stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. God is no respecter of persons. The only reason he's got me here is to tell you that there's a wine cell. And it's at your house. Somebody snuck into your house and they put 2,000 year old wine. 200 proof. Oh, it's grace. But it's not grace as we've understood it, it's the grace that first Martin Luther sipped. And went, oh my gosh, look what they're doing. Oh, do you really need me to do this? Yes, we do. Thus the Reformation. Well, God's got this 2,000-year-old, 200-proof grace called Calvary. There is a rev- uh, this rushing, mighty torrent that Brother Lawrence seen, and he was drinking, raging, and its natural course is to come into you. God has sent it. 
He sent it from the cross. And it's looking. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth that they may to that he may strengthen. Thank you, I got kind of blurry. He may strengthen those whose hearts are completely his. Those that have had enough, that they want to taste and see that he's good. That there's a lively faith, Brother Lawrence said, inside of them that they say, yes, I need, I want, I must have. Kind of the whole worship set this morning, if you think about it. That's what God's looking for. Larry. There's always time for drinking, Larry. I just, um, I got a word this morning as I was getting ready to get here. And I thought it was just for me, but I'm just being prompted that there might be somebody, maybe one more person, I don't know. But anyway, it's very short. Um, And all it was basically he said to me was, weather the storm, weather the storm, weather the storm, because I am the assurance that you'll get to the other side. It's good, it's good. Yes, Lord. We hear the word. (laughs) Assurance. Faith is assurance. He's been speaking to us that he is in the boat. It's all about your perception. (sighs) Do you perceive who's in your boat? Or are you panicking like the disciples of old? Do you not care? Do you not see, Lord, that we are perishing? (laughs) We're dead broke. Do you not know? But he's speaking to you, the prophet Christ Jesus, your shepherd, your father, the everlasting father of a new species is saying, I'm in your boat. And he has decreed that you will go to the other side, Highlands. You will go to the other side. So weather the storm and do not fear the great waves. Do not fear the lack. Do not fear the circumstances and the voices of situations and the things and the people and the stuff. You see, you are born as an overcomer. You're not trying to be. You were made as an overcomer. You were made as a new species. And this species is not a wimp. This species is born of a realm that is not earth. You have been created in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the earth. You were a spirit being in the heart of God. And now you have descended on the earth as an alien. You are a pilgrim passing through an earthly experience. But you have been born and equipped and impregnated with an incorruptible seed that has more dynamite in it than all the power that could be mustered in this earthly realm. 
one sneeze from this king can chop a tree of doubt and accusation. Weather the storm. Fear not. Fear not. The waves. Because even if you think you're sinking like Peter of old, he's promising you to lift you up and pull you. You see, it isn't your ability to keep you in the Spirit. It isn't your self-effort to keep you there. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, is His effort. It's His effort. It's His grace. It's His divine enablement to keep you on a path, to keep you in the fold, to keep you on the face and beholding the face. So weather the storm. The assurance is the the substance isn't an intellectual thing. And if you've been listening this morning with your intellect, God help you. If you've been trying to listen and trying to figure out and put it in a linear place, you are That's where the birds of the air can go. That's where the birds of the if the seed of revelation, if the if the drunken revelators up here are pouring out the manna and pouring out the wine and pouring out the seed from from the from the invisible vat of Christ within. But if it only stays on your intellect, that's where the birds of the air and the fowls come and they rob the word because they do not want you to see what you are. They don't want you to figure out. They don't want you to be awake because they know if you awake and you know that you are a son of the kingdom, all hell will be put in its place under our feet. So when the seed, when the revelation comes, listen with your spirit. Listen with the core of your being. When it resonates, grab hold of it and nourish it and just just digest it. Pull it in. Pull it into your spirit. Pull it in for its nourishment. Your intellect will argue all flippin' day. Because it might not fit with, with, with religious terminologies. But they that are spirit here with the spirit, and they know of the spirit. Because they've been born of the spirit. We cannot see, we cannot perceive the kingdom. Unless we were born of the Spirit. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You are no longer just flesh. Yes, you are a bag of bones, but also you are a spiritual being that is a whole lot bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Which way are you looking? 
Are you being distracted by the earth and the lesser life? Just lift up your gaze, beloved, and turn. Lift up your, your energy. Lift up your, your existence at the core of who you are. I call you out of the pit. I call you out of the lesser perception. And I call you to turn and face and perceive the glory of this spiritual, uncreated being called your Father. And as you behold Him, you become like a mirror. And you reflect a raging, invincible, unquenchable, unstoppable being. And they that behold the glory of the Lord as a mirror, they are changed into the same image. There's the one-step program. is just to perceive. We are what we behold. We become what we behold. We are to be reflectors, and we're going to either be reflectors of the glory of the Spirit, or we will be reflectors of the lesser place of bondage that we were crucified to. You see, the devil doesn't want us to wake up and be aware of what we are and where we are. But I tell you, Stratford, and I say Stratford, because there is something shifting in this city. And this shift will roll away a stone of the situational mandate of structure and politics. And the stone of a lesser substance will roll away And I tell you, there is a company of people that are coming up from a tomb. There is a company and a community of the spirit people that are rising, that are rising, that are rising. And they're rising because they're realizing. They're realizing that they're rising because their perception is being immersed that they are already full of all the fullness of God. Shabba. That they are one with this glorious King. That they are one. And from the knowledge and experience and life of that union with Him, you are already married, dudes. You are already married. You are already one with Him. You are already in that way good wine of union. Just wake up to it. Just wake up to it. And as you awake, everything on earth will quake. Uh, everything is changing. I heard this morning, I saw this morning, I saw this morning, this morning, 
I believe that there's an invitation to Highlands to become, you already are, I think it's an invitation to wake up to what you are. You are my midwives, he says. You are a midwife, one that comes alongside of a birth, comes alongside of something that's going to birth in Stratford. Something is going to birth. Something is going to birth. And I say, I heard, it's a mystical movement of mothers and fathers of the realm of glory. I saw Corey playing this morning and I had to double take because I saw superimposed but it wasn't superimposed it was actually coming out of him I saw the face and the head of an eagle and I say son you have graduated you have graduated and now for the rest of the story you have graduated and you carry my nature you are my eagle you are my lion you are my ox you are my man you carry the sound the dna of the nature of god the nature of christ is coming forth out of you in a realm in a spectacular splendor of god I say, behold what manner of house you are. This is a house that has a quickening spirit. As soon as I sat down, I perceived an increase. I perceived... That the old has come new. That that which was born so many years ago has now come to the future. That that which is is now coming forth into the land of time to transform a city. Midwives. Do not let someone try and convince you to be like them. Highlands, you are not like them. He is the father of us all, but he wants us, he wants you to know who you are. You are a unique people of the presence for he has drawn a sword right through the middle and he has stripped in order that he could separate in order that he could have a company of people a community of people to just be at his feet to be at his feet is he enough Is Christ enough? Do you need a whole bunch of structure? 
do you need? Do you need? Oh, do you need the tabernacle being built? Do you need an earthly tabernacle when there is about to explode a transfiguration of Christ through a people? Because you've come to a mountain for such a time as this. You've come to Mount Zion in Hebrews 12. It's not future tense. It's in the realm of the eternal. In the eternal realm, there's everything. I heard years ago, welcome to the land of is. You is because he is. It's an eternal path where eternal identity of that incorruptible seed called Christ who is now your life and he is now going to appear. He is now going to appear. But it won't be through a mental ascent. It won't be through an intellectual. There might be room for intellectuals, but it's not going to be in this house. Lord, I bless these ones. Lord, I bless. If we could just stand in the glory and just... become easy to lay down when you realize how safe he is that he is true and he cannot lie will you be a people to birth my life will you be my people birth my life Will you be my people that I could come and see, see? They'll come if they see me. They'll come if they see me. They'll come if they see me. Stratford will come. Stratford will come. Cause there's a whole lot of room in the Father's house A whole lot of room in the Father's house They will come if they see Him You know, we gotta get rid of this idolatry Of, of, of tell you there is a faceless people and to me those faceless people are the ones that have lost their reputation they don't need the personality cult accolades they don't need to be stroked because they are assured they have the assurance that the father knows them 
The Father knows you. The Father grows you. The Father knows you. The Father grows you. My plans aren't the plans of man. My plans aren't made by man. My plan is eternal. My plan is eternal. Mountain dwellers are here. Mountain of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord, Mount Zion is here, Mount Zion is here. Come, come, come up the mountain and see him, come up the mountain and find him. It's all about your thinking. It's all about your thinking. As you think, so are you. As you think, so are you. As you think, so are you. Get in line. Get in line. Who you truly are. Who you truly are. Get in line, get in line, who you truly are. You are a daughter of Zion, you are a son of the kingdom. Get in line, get in line. You have eternity in your hearts. You have eternity in your hearts. New heart, new mind. Take hold of my new mind. Take of of my new mind and my new heart. The angels are going to carry you. The angels are going to carry you into a greater height of understanding. I bless the quickening spirit in this house. Quickening faith. Quickening wisdom. Quickening understanding. Quickening, quickening, quickening. Quickening, quickening, quickening. Quickening them dead bones. Quickening them dead dreams. Quickening, quickening, quickening. Quickening, quickening, quickening. Quickening. Life-giving spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. He won't give you anything that's alive. Anything that's not alive. He's a life-giving spirit. I bless Whoosh. that 200 proof wine cha 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 
200 proof wine. Whoosh. Whoosh. Let arrows of love. Let arrows of love. Let arrows of love. Whoa. Arrows of mercy. Arrows of love. Who they are. Drink, drink, drink. Drink, drink, drink. Drink the ancient wine. Drink this ancient wine. And you will live, you will live. Drink this ancient wine. And you will live. Every bird of the air that's sitting on the intellect be bound. Warriors won't be denied. Warriors of the family of God. Warriors will not be denied. Perceivers to see who's in their boat, see who's in the boat, see who's in the boat. is so simple that we can miss it. With the religion of renewal, I almost missed it. The systems, if they start taking over, it quelches the simplicity of Christ. He's been really screaming at me about the traditions of man make the word of God of no effect. Our traditions, our, 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 our habits, our, our, our churchy habits can actually make Christ of no effect. He's speaking in the simplicity of faith. 
He's imparting a fresh understanding of what faith is, how faith works. Faith works by love. Faith, faith is the essence from heaven to earth. It's the bridge. It's the substance. It's the title deed. It's the assurance. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I know this house so wants to please him. Keep plugged into faith. The simplicity of faith. If you can perceive and believe, you will enter the land. And the land isn't somewhere out there. It's somewhere in here called Christ. I want to see the land of plenty in me. I want to perceive the land of plenty in me. He is our good shepherd. He says he will not be in want. If I'm in want, maybe I need to realign my thinking and my perceiving and once again enter afresh the green pastures. The still waters. The banquet table the anointing that that runs over my head, my cup is overflowing, to perceive again that goodness and mercy does follow me all the days of my life, and we dwell in the house of God. Why? Because we are now the house of God. We're not trying to become what we've already been made. It's the Father's good pleasure to dwell in you and make you His home. From the belly to the head, let substance arise. Let substance from the belly to the head arise. Smother the head with oil. Smother the head with glory. Smother you. I smother you with oil. I smother you in my glory. Saturation for the nation. Up from the belly to the head belly to the head saturation spiritual renewal of a mind made new of a mind made new of a mind made new in you of a mind made new in you the substance the substance of Christ we have the mind of Christ We have the mind of Christ from the belly to the head, from the spirit to the mind, from the belly to the head. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Rivers in your belly come forth. 
rivers in the belly. Come forth like a raging river, rivers in the belly. Come forth, new life. Intoxicated leaders, intoxicated saints, intoxicated people, taking everything that's been given to them and pouring it out on the streets, poured it out at Tim's, pouring it out all over whoever doesn't even want it out of your belly. Christ wants out, out of your belly. He is coming forth with the nature of the eagle, nature of an ox, nature of a man, nature of a lion, nature of a lion, ruling and reigning in the marketplace, ruling and reigning. I hear a sound, I hear a sound, a sound yet not heard, a sound yet not made in the earth realm, but it's made in heaven, it's made in heaven. Who can ascend and get the sound, who can ascend and get the sound? Who will ascend and get the sound of heaven? The substance of the sound will shake the holy ground and it will be renowned and it will be in the spirit and it will break forth and it won't look like it does right now. Listen with your heart. Be carried away. Carried away. Transfiguration. Transfigured. We will be transfigured. On this Mount of Zion, we will be transfigured as of old. We will be transfigured on this Mount of Zion. You've come to Mount Zion with an innumerable company of angels. And of men whose spirits have been made perfect. And you have come to meet with the Father, the Ancient One, the All Consuming Fire. 
left the lower ground. You have left the earthly way, and you have found Yahweh. will be a mystical house this will be a mystical house this will be a mystical house of mothers and fathers mothers and fathers of a realm not known by the natural eye Obsessed with American pie. <laughs> Obsessed with American pie. <sighs> this is a mystical house of mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. This is a mystical house carried away in the glory. We'll get carried away in the glory Cause this is a mystical house ago in the UK and they were so baptized in the prophetic spirit that they were so unique and so mad and so crazy and so unusual that they were dubbed and actually brought into the orthodox Christianity called the fools of Christ. 
They were actually an order recognized in the church structure. But they were prophets gone mad. (laughs) And it's been said that there was one particular fool of Christ that came to Ivan the Terrible. And he brought a bull's head cut off and laid it on the table and left. And Ivan the Terrible was known to execute anyone that didn't agree with him. But he never touched this prophet of the order of the fools of Christ. So I propose, could this mystical house have a former and a latter reign? of a recovery of the ancient mystics with the latter rain mystics. And it would be as a double-edged sword piercing through all the religion structure and birth a reformation and an awakening. but it takes these forerunners and midwives to keep pressing in. And I'm telling you, Highland, every time I come, I sense and perceive and know that I know that there's always an increase. You might not feel it because you're here all the time, but I promise you, there is. You are doing well. You are doing something that others might not understand. But who gives a rip? It must have looked bizarre for Anna Anna and Simeon to only have a one-note ministry to wait for the birth of the Messiah. What if one of the main mandates on Highland is to be a midwife for when Christ comes forth in full manifestation, in full transfiguration through a company of people that will scare the hell out of Stratford and beyond. Whoosh! Because a light will be turned on and will not be put out by man or structure. Ring those bells, Lord. Release the sound. Release the sound in these overcomers here. Release the sound of encouragement. I can promise you, if you stay in this house, something will be stripped off of you, and it will be your concern for your natural life. And I can say you can, you can either cooperate with the spirit of life that is here that's going to take it by volunteer or you'll take it by force. <laughs> In, nice. 
in nice, but he has a way of breaking our outer man in order to release and unlock our inner man. It's called the dealings of God. He loves us so much as that he wants to. <laughs> Jesus said that where I am, you may be also. I will come again for you. Guess what? He came by his spirit. And he lives in you. And he put you in that dwelling where you and God are one. Where you and God are one. Oh, that the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light to see the hope of our bridegroom king. The calling of the bridegroom king was that they would know the union of glory, that they perceive, know, and understand the union of glory. Father, I bless this house to be possessed with much abundance and increase and multiplication. Of the mystical order of Melchizedek. Carried away as a holy priesthood. Doing Abba's business.